this is this is like a bit of a, a bit of a side point but um uh google google found a way to make apps that don't cooperate with that cooperate that's cool yeah that's a very google thing to do in android so if I have this chat with my sister, right? Yeah. And there's a text message and some photos. Mm-hmm. Now I could easily I could easily share both of these things from this app. Right. It's not an uncooperative app. Right. But if it weren't, I could go to my recent app screen and what I can do is I can tap this select button. Yeah. And then I can select text from the app to share. Oh, that's cool. So it's just it's just uh, analyzing the image to get the text out. Wow, so if the, that's so cool. Yeah, so if the app didn't... That's such a hacky workaround. Yeah. But it works. But it works fast because of, you know... Yeah, because Google. Yeah, so if the app were somehow uncooperative and didn't want to let me share that, it would just Google figured out a way around it. it. Does that give you the full resolution image or is it just a crop of that screenshot? No, it's just it's just a crop of the screenshot. But it's automatic. I mean, as you can see, it has the that's like message shape, but it's cool because it's automatic. But it's so, bad because it's bad did you know that <laughs> apple now has let's try it on instagram nearly the same feature oh really yeah on all photos now it recognizes text it's not automatic though which is the difference let's say i wanted to download this instagram photograph because instagram doesn't let you do that right yeah. i bring it into my recents it even just automatically gives me a button where i can just do that yeah because it recognizes that it's a photo like this is and then it gives me buttons to share it on whatsapp the- <laughs> This is a couple different steps all in one that Google did. They did the, oh, let's make a screenshot automatically and then read it and make that a feature. Google does that. Google takes multiple things they can do, like take screenshots and read text and they combine it into one feature and they brand it as something different, Mm -hmm. which is honestly confusing, but cool. And it saves you a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. On Apple, you would just take a screenshot of it and then you could do all these same things. You crop that picture out. You could select the text, like is what, Cole was saying because mm-hmm. AI and stuff. Right. I had I had a point way back, okay. but I, but it was it was so something interesting that I wanted wanted to say that I thought of. Why have you guys noticed that that Google and Samsung are friends again? Yeah. Suddenly. Yeah. The watch. Mm-hmm. The watch, the tensor. The tensor processor. And there, I don't know if you've seen any of these ads, but there's all these ads that are like Google and Samsung. Really? Yeah. Yeah, use Google Apps on your Galaxy Z Flip. Oh, that's cool. And like, it literally says think, Google Samsung, like with a little line uh, in the middle. Like, we're I friends. I think it's just that Google slid Samsung a bunch of money recently. Could be. Why Google slid Samsung money? Because they needed tensors and they needed a watch base. They needed hardware, essentially. I have, I have another okay. theory that could be bogus, but maybe because this interestingly coincides, you know, time-wise with like the first appearance of a Fuchsia device is that Google's plan to switch to Fuchsia would be advantageous to Samsung also. Maybe they had a little talk and Google said, you know what, we're done with the Android ecosystem. We're going to switch to Fuchsia. We're going to shut everybody else out. But here's here's what's in it for you. You can have Android. It'll be yours. What you've always wanted. Can you close source something that was open source though? No. But they'll give Samsung control over it. I mean, Google doesn't even have control over Android, do they? They do, sort of. Okay. They say, hey, if you want the Play Store on your device, you need to also have Gmail on your device. And a whole a whole right. laundry you list of other requirements. Services. Yep. whole laundry list of other requirements. That's still Google services, though, I think. Right. But that's how they say, hey, you know what? Your device needs to use gesture navigation by default. Right. You can, can stipulate all these things. You can have Android, but if you want to use most of the things you would ever want to use... you got to do it our way. You have to do many things that we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
so anyways though yeah and uh, if that's i mean i don't know if that's true that would explain why they're friends again because the the whole beef between them would be gone you you get what i'm saying but what were you saying like like google would say hey samsung you don't have to follow our rules anymore eventually and now they're just both working toward that goal but only samsung but you're you're saying like if if Huawei made a Android phone, they would still have to follow Google's rules. I mean, even if Google just completely quit on Android, even if they just said, "We're out. Mm-hmm. Do what you want." Yeah. Who would win who would win the fight for the best Android? I mean, Samsung, Samsung is already winning. Already, you know. Yes, they have already won. It would be it would be very good for Samsung. <laughs> so, it is kind of cool though that they're teaming up again to be honest. Mhm. Google's always made great software, and uh, Samsung has always made great hardware. Yeah, I had just been late. trying. I had just been trying to figure out why, you know, how this can happen because the the conflict of interest these companies have mm-hmm. is apparently still there. But yeah. I would feel like Google is just secretly not caring about Android as much anymore, and then Samsung is just staying the same and also getting money <laughs> from Google mm-hmm. <laughs> for hardware stuff. But if if they would if they're teaming up you would think they would be teaming up because they would be united in what's coming next especially if they're marketing themselves that way watch wise samsung's making the hardware google's making the software mm-hmm. phone wise google's making the software htc is making the hardware which google now owns so quote google quote is making the hardware but really it's just htc honestly still mm-hmm. and then they're using but they, they bought htc right they did yeah. so does google that well apple bought out another company that was developing super efficient cpus Mm -hmm. and then they started coming out with the a series so you could argue that apple hasn't been responsible for that but we don't so therefore i say what htc does google does from what i've heard of the culture it's still the same people and it's still the same management Mm. at HT it's as if they're just con- HTC is continuing to make phones from what I've heard also the build quality on the pixels is about the same as the HTC one I made it, I actually I just just had a just had a thought is HTC the one that one Android manufacturer that makes a pretty much vanilla version of Android because that would that would well, make they sense were. yeah are you talking about oxygen yeah that's one plus made oxygen oh that's one plus yeah Right. I never but, even hear of HTC anymore. Well, yeah, because they don't exist anymore. Right. They they made the One M8. Do you remember that one? No. That was like a gorgeous, gorgeous phone around the su- around the time of the iPhone six and seven. Mm-hmm. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous phone. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it ran. There was a Google Play edition that basically every YouTuber in the entire world bought because it was the greatest Android phone ever created up to that point including the nexuses like the htc one m8 was better than the nexuses okay i came up with a possible theory on uh, my utopia okay what if you know like how there's html5 and WebAssembly. what if that just like blows up in the future they're like crazy powerful the stuff that they can do and the things that they can run. And so Apple just takes over all apps and its whole system and creates like this unified system that is fully sufficient to take care of its thing. And then it uses the internet as the internet is the, the space thing is, where Apple continues can Apple continues to invest in uh, Swift, which is their current programming language. And HTML may be improving and enveloping more things, but Swift is as well. And it's getting much better and much more powerful. So there's still quite a large gap 
in between what web languages are able to do and what native languages are able to do on all platforms. And everything keeps innovating at basically the same rate at this point. I think it's I think it's a matter of incentive too, you know, because um, with Chrome OS, Google developed a uh, proprietary way for a, a web app in Chrome OS to access the native system. Uh, it was called Native Client. Yeah. And um, it worked on Chrome OS. It worked uh, it worked on Chrome on other platforms too. Yeah. And um, basically allowed full featured web applications. Right, they could, and they could use they could use WebGL also for graphics. But they quit on that when the I remember Native Client. Native Client. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they quit on it because what's the standards organization that makes web standards? What are they called? Is H something? W three. Right, it's W three. Yeah. Right, so W three um, came out with WebAssembly, which is like Native Client except open to everybody. Uh, it's not just Chrome. And then Google decided, we're going to just back WebAssembly. We're cool. done with native client. Yeah. But it hasn't gone anywhere. Nobody cares about it. Yeah. WebAssembly is theoretically a way for a to web application yeah, yeah, to interact directly, almost directly with your CPU yeah. the way a native, native app would. Can, yeah. Right? But it just hasn't taken off. Yeah. And I think it's because there's just not the incentive. Because Why would anybody want that? I mean... I think we would want it. That's kind of what Cole is getting at. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There's not an incentive. The thing is, what if like, you could offload... Xcode is way better than HTML developing environments. Uh, does everybody develop apps for Mac and Xcode? That's the only way you can develop apps for Mac. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And for iOS and for anything. Xcode is great. Hmm. How do people do cross-platform then? Google has their own thing. And Microsoft has Visual Studio. Yeah, there's the Android SDK, but how do you do cross-platform? You literally have to build the app three times. Oh, that can't be what they do. There's like translation tools, but they're not great. Everybody builds the app three times. That's why if somebody starts on an iOS app, that's why it takes many months to go and build the Android app. Because you're just hideous. feature for feature recreating it. Yeah. It it's is hideous. Obviously camp. They have Android teams. They have yeah. iOS teams. Mm. They have Every company has an Android team and an iOS team and a Windows team if they make three apps. So... Here's, here's what I'm talking about. What if somehow Apple starts supporting web advancements and what web is able to do? If Apple suddenly decided to back it, honestly, I feel like it would, it would happen. So what if it does that and then it pushes everything out? Maybe it finds a way to even offload the app store to the cloud and websites and stuff and lets you like run stuff on the web and then as a result of like more of this ecosystem of like web apps type thing occurs then anytime that's worth utilizing it then pulls the inspiration from that into its os that's fully integrated i see what you're saying push it off of the iphone onto the web and i think if you do that now you've polished and you've created this closed system loop i think if you do that apple should also make all of their first party apps like that and then all apps ever should be that. You know what that right? And so that's why I was th saying like, Apple creates their own like cloud service. It would be great thing. because we would get rid of hard drives. Yeah, yeah. Have create the cloud where like internal storage would no longer exist, which it almost doesn't. I think that's I think that's the future. I mean, For although mobile. storage is getting like super small, like you can get one terabyte micro SD cards. You know? Sure. But right now I have my MacBook, but I remote in to my Windows computer like five times a day. Yeah. And do stuff off of that and, you know, other computers to like do things. Unfortunately, the web has to get a lot faster. Mm -hmm. 
ridiculously way faster to compete with native apps. And so what if Apple rolls out that? What like, if Apple rolls Apple out would their have version to, of servers? If Cerberus, Apple backs WebAssembly. They roll out like their version of but, Amazon Web Services that is specifically designed to like build this app ecosystem type I thing believe online. Apple would also have to increase data rates like like internet download and upload speeds and ping rates and terabit would, internet they would have to be an ISP as well or in they order to just have the man, you know who has achieved that goal point. Google <laughs> yeah yeah what's that but you like well Google has Fi mm-hmm. yeah. but and Google Fiber but True, I forgot yeah. about that. They have, they haven't. They've only brought that to a few cities. I forgot that existed. Um, you know, there's a theory that they only made Google Fiber to threaten other ISPs. <laughs> they didn't actually really want to become an ISP. That's which is why it's still only available in a few cities. They basically just did it to be like, know your place, trash. <laughs> we can Google just... does that a lot, though. Like Google specifically does that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Apple doesn't, but Google does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the data transfer rate between an SSD and the processor is like 14 gigabytes a second. Mm-hmm. It's like ridiculously fast. The data rate between like the web and the processor is like 100 megabits a second max. Plus, you know, it has to do upload, and that costs like that's even that's another trip that you've have you ever lost seen speed on. Have but you ever? What s- about? Um, but that's assuming that we're talking about transferring. What about? You'd have to transfer that every time you go. You open an app. Otherwise, it becomes a native app. Have you I ever? Have, the code is native apps are apps where the code is stored on the device i have a very interesting point to julian's thing have you ever seen google stadia in action this, that's where i was the, that's where you were gonna go, go. i have it on my phone do you want to see this yeah I, i've used it before this is what i'm talking about so the game is running on google servers and this is I'm, this is basically a youtube video of the game except i'm remote controlling it with okay. my touchpad here's what you're ultimately going to is the phone is just a vessel for the entire phone, which is in exactly a server in the cloud, which is what you call a thin client. Yeah, and it's basically what it's what Chrome OS. It is what Chrome is OS. supposed to be. So what I'm essentially saying is, do what Chrome OS wasn't able to do. This is pretty impressive, actually. Like, I think. Like okay, for instance, the other day I was watching but, Linus Tech Tips. Uh huh. All right, and. They were talking about how when they started working from home, they started using this software that uses the same protocols as Google Stadia. Who started doing that? Linus Tech Tips. Linus Tech Tips. So essentially, this company has made a remote desktop that works so seamless that they're logging into their computers at work and editing 4K footage or whatever the case is with like millisecond response times. Hmm. And they're doing it off of basic laptops, but their editing rig at work is like this beast of a computer. So why not iCloud just make different subscriptions that allow for different processing powers and comes an increased emphasis is the iCloud plan you choose, and different plans of different. You're basically saying if I buy a new MacBook, I'm gonna get a display with a skeletal inside, and then it will remote desktop into the rest of my Mac, which now Apple owns in their server farm. They just have a bunch of M1 Max chips that I can just rent forever. That's a, it's a it's a. Uh... I hate that so it's much. A, it's more of a concept. Yeah. But 
I don't want to rent access to my stuff. I hate that model. I rent music, and I hate that. I actually am a proponent of this uh, future. I totally get what you're... As a Google fan, I mean, how can I not be? I totally get what you're saying, though. Like, I'm all about, like, fighting for mainly just content. Like, I want access to all my content, but I don't really care how it is that I access it. Right to repair stuff. Right to repair. the opposite of all this. I I may be a traditionalist when it comes to this, but I, I like when the computer in front of me, it, I can do things to it. Mm-hmm. If in, in, in a world where all of my hardware is in a server somewhere, I, I don't really have any, I don't understand it anymore. And I, I don't have control over it. And I can't do things to it. If, if, if something goes wrong, I have to wait for Google people to troubleshoot it. I can't just fix it. With this MacBook, I know that everything on this MacBook, if I'm taking footage from my camera and plugging it in here, trying to edit a video on it, I know that everything is just right here. It's not doing, I can do it with airplane mode on. You know, and I just love that. Yeah. I have an idea for you though. Okay. What if Apple built this server, like iCloud server type thing, could actually just be a computer that is at home that you could use at home that you could remote into, do all the things that you want to do with it, but take it with you and access it on the go from your other devices that are portable. You know what's kind of related I don't to understand that? Understand that at all? You know what's kind of related to that the concept? Have you ever heard of multi-seat? So multi-seat is where you have one computer with multiple monitors connected to it, but instead of the multiple monitors being used in a traditional multi-monitor setup, let's just say one computer tower with two monitors, two keyboards, two mice, and both terminals can be used at the same time, but they are by different users. There's already a thing for that. Right, multi-seat. Right, yeah, but also multi-seat. Multi-seat does the same thing as it's right? Multi-seat is the concept. Unraid is probably an implementation of it. Some Linux distributions can do multi-seat. I guess Unraid can. I think I've heard of Unraid. Is that an operating system? Unraid builds software to like either combine or split up different like hardware components and the usage of them. Yeah, I've definitely heard of that. So like a RAID setup is combining hard drives together and using it as like one complete volume Mm -hmm. let's flesh out this multi-seat concept because i think it's kind of what you're talking about imagine a household with a like mega powerful server in the basement right isn't the cloud just multi-seat yes but over the internet yeah but so let's just imagine let's just imagine a household with a mega powerful server in the basement and then there's a computer terminal upstairs that is wired directly to that server yeah. And it's effectively a computer. And my phone is wired directly to You, you it. could have another terminal in the house that's like that. You, the TV could be a terminal. Yeah. By extension, handheld devices like laptops and phones are connected wirelessly to it or, or over the internet if you're away. And it's just all part of that. You still can control this server, right? It's still yours. Yeah. Does that make sense? Is that kind of what you were getting at? Exactly. I was going to take it a step further where the iCloud could also self-host the same equipment and make it a, a subscription-based What is the service. iCloud? So, like, you're, you're saying having the server yourself is an option. Otherwise, you could just let them handle it. You can just let them handle it. So, like... iCloud if, is backup. That's all iCloud is. iCloud does nothing but backup. It processes... Well, I, guess I think he's using iCloud. I think he's using iCloud as an umbrella for all of Apple's internet yeah. services. Yeah, like, even I'm... 
I was technically including like Siri dictation before it's now on our phones and stuff like that. Oh. Yeah, Siri runs on a, on Apple servers, but it's not part of iCloud. iCloud is a backup service. All right, I'm all right. I'm technically in, like Gabe said, including all of that together. Yeah, okay. I think it's okay because it's it's a because what else are you gonna call it? Yeah, Apple services, <laughs> like Amazon Web Services. Yeah, okay, that's, but that would never be marketed as that. It would it would definitely just become a new service. As an iCloud, they would call it iCloud Plus. Yeah, yeah. Well, even uh, yeah, even like content providing, like Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. Where does that stream from? It's part of your iCloud account or whatever. iCloud Plus comes with Arcade. It comes with backup storage. It comes with um, Apple TV Plus. It comes with that new fitness thing. I thought it was Apple One or something. Like I thought that's what that was. Oh yeah, Apple One. Apple One. That's is like that. where what do you? iCloud you, Plus is different than Apple One. You, Apple One is what you're talking about. <laughs> plus is iCloud and Private Relay. That's all iCloud Plus is. Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But just call it like Apple Services or Apple One or something. You really don't want him to call it iCloud. It's not iCloud. I think you should call it Mobile Me. No. Dot <laughs> 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 Mac. <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like if you have the server in the basement, 